Patent disputes over technology are increasing, and attorney James DeNaro says a new set of suits filed against banking institutions for infringing patents that include security features used to encrypt card data and, in some cases, protect online banking transactions is not just getting the financial services industry's attention. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm joined today by James DeNaro, who shares his legal thoughts about how increasing litigation related to patents touching the cybersecurity space could hinder innovation within the information security industry. James, before we jump into this overall issue that's related to patents that touch cybersecurity, what can you tell us about some of these recent lawsuits that have been filed against leading U.S. banking institutions such as Chase and Bank of America? Well, Tracy, thank you for having me. Uh, what's happened is a company uh, known as Intellectual Ventures has instituted patent litigation against eight major financial institutions in the U.S. based on two general classes of technology. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with Intellectual Ventures already, uh, that's a patent holding company chiefly that was founded in 2000 and currently uh, states that it has 70,000 IP quote-unquote assets, which aren't defined, but we would probably take to be patents and patent applications. Uh, they've acquired their intellectual property by purchasing it from other companies that either went bankrupt or were just selling their intellectual property to, to generate revenue. They've purchased it from individual inventors, and they also have uh, something they call Intellectual Ventures Labs, uh, where they do their own independent research and development, uh, obviously with the intent of patenting that work. So since the founding of Intellectual Ventures, they claim to have uh, brought in revenues of several billion dollars from licensing of intellectual property. And uh, in the past, they have sought licenses from uh, quite a, a wide range of, of different industries in the United States. But this marks the first time that Intellectual Ventures has pursued the financial services industry with some of the patents in its portfolio. And so, James, what is it about these particular disputes that are so concerning? What makes these interesting is that the patents in question, at least some of them, are not directed to the financial services products in their essence. In other words, the patents are directed to functions that a lot of different industries might be using, but are not particular to banking. So for example, several of the defendants are accused of patent infringement based on their use of unspecified, quote-unquote, security practices. And the patents that are alleged to cover the security practices relate to public key encryption, packet filtering, firewall-type technologies, which these technologies and these patents were not conceived of in connection with necessarily being used in any particular industry, certainly uh, not necessarily the financial industry, yet they are now being leveraged against the financial industry. And I think one can kind of see why that could happen. Specifically, uh, the financial industry has certain data security requirements that it must meet, such as PCI DSS, for example. And this, the complaints specifically allege that by adhering to the PCI DSS standard, that some of the patents are infringed. Now, these cases involve what has been referred to as patent trolling. James, can you define for us what patent trolling is? Patent trolls, that's a, that's a term that's been used to describe certain use of patent rights. Obviously, the term patent troll has a certain negative connotation to it, 
And uh, in an effort to have a more balanced discussion of the issues, they're also referred to as patent assertion entities, or PAE. It's a little bit hard to define what a patent assertion entity actually is. There's some distinctions that are not very clear. For example, if you were to think of some really interesting technology on your way home today and got a patent on it, you weren't able to come to an agreement with some potential licensees, so you sued them. Would you be considered a patent troll? Well, you're not practicing the invention. You don't have a product that you sell. You're just an individual with an idea. So we probably wouldn't want to call you a patent troll because you're just an innovator uh, with an idea, but nonetheless, you're not a practicing entity. You know, for some guidance on what a, what a patent assertion entity is, we can actually turn to President Obama, who recently said, uh, to quote, a patent assertion entity is an entity that doesn't actually produce anything themselves uh, and essentially leverages and hijacks someone else's idea to see if they can extort some money out of them. Uh, so obviously, that's some pretty colorful language there. But I think he's kind of really getting at the core idea here that a patent assertion entity or a patent troll is doing something that's kind of unfair. And obviously, you know, in one of the core values we have here in the United States is that we want, especially in the legal system, we want fairness and justice. And somehow there's a perceived injustice that's going on here as a result of the way companies are able to exploit the intellectual property portfolios. Now, James, going back to look at some of these recent suits that have been filed and some others that have affected the cybersecurity and software industry in some cases, how have these types of suits over patents affected other industries beyond financial services? That's a great question. And what we're seeing is that patents covering information security type of technologies broadly construed, everything from cryptography to digital rights management, firewalls, and so on, have been asserted against a remarkably diverse group of defendants. One of the things that's really interesting about the way that the patent suits are, are playing out in this industry is that what you generally don't see are major information security companies suing each other. For example, we're all very aware of the Apple versus Samsung litigation. You don't really see that happening in this space yet. We're not really seeing the McAfee's versus the Symantec's going head-to-head and and that sort of activity, more of what we see looks like patents that cover some information security technology being asserted against companies that use those technologies as an incidental part of some other business that really doesn't have anything to do with information security or information at all. A pretty good example of that has been a company called TQP, which received some coverage in late 2012. They have uh, one patent that is alleged to cover using HTTPS, essentially, SSL plus RC4. And this patent was asserted against many, many companies simply on the basis of having a secure web connection uh, between their servers and some end user out there on the Internet. Uh, obviously, you know, those companies were not in the business of information security, yet they are on the receiving end of a patent lawsuit that relates to these types of technologies. Now, James, some of these entities that have been sued, do they have any protections? There are a couple of things that the companies can do. Obviously, if a company is, is sued for patent infringement, they can defend themselves in court. That's um, always an option. Of course, that can be expensive. Uh, that's one of the concerns that has been raised about the way patents are being used and that it's relatively less expensive to bring a case than to defend a case, which seems like it might create some possible um, inequities in the system. 
So beyond that, the one other thing that can probably be done would be to develop uh, one's own intellectual property portfolio for use in cross-licensing. And actually what we're seeing is that a number of financial institutions have started to do that, even though these institutions are not really in the business of information security. Recognizing the significance of the technology, some of these companies are building out portfolios in this space. And those portfolios could possibly then be cross-licensed. So, for example, if one of these institutions uh, was accused of infringement by intellectual ventures, perhaps a deal could be worked out. Or not necessarily intellectual ventures, but whoever it happened to be. It might work out a deal where you could trade patents, essentially. It doesn't always work, but um, it may have some help. Now, you've touched on this a little bit, James, but I'd like to go back to it and, and talk somewhat about what's being done to actually address some of these patent trolling concerns. This issue is receiving quite a bit of attention uh, in Washington now, and the Obama administration has uh, really been quite outspoken about it, and Obama recently offered up a series of executive and legislative actions that are proposed to be taken. The Really, the outstanding question is whether or not these are likely to be successful, uh, whether or not they're likely to have any effect, or even whether they would have an effect that's contrary to their intended purpose. In 2011, the American Invent Act was passed, and that included a provision which required patent infringement cases against multiple defendants to be filed against those multiple defendants individually in many cases. So the way it used to be done was if you thought someone was infringing your patent, you could just sue everybody all over the United States all at once. You could have dozens and dozens of completely unrelated defendants all together in the same lawsuit. And this was very efficient for patent owners or patent assertion entities in particular. So the law was changed so that one would have to file individually against all of those potential defendants. So uh, predictably as a result, patent owners just filed individually against everybody. So there's an example where what was expected to be a significant legislative change it actually had uh, probably no effect at all. And in fact, it might have made it even harder <laughs> to manage it because now we had more cases on the same issues. It's hard to say whether these will have any effect, but in any event, any real change will have to come probably from the legislature, from Congress, uh, with some significant action. And obviously, as we've all seen, it's very hard for Congress to take concerted significant action on an issue where there's a lot of money at stake and many divergent interests. We know that Congress has been very slow at reforming intellectual property laws. Well, for example, one of the most significant changes that could be made to make the system perhaps more fair would be to require that plaintiffs or patent owners pay for the defendant's costs if the patent owner loses. And this would certainly have a pretty big deterrent effect on the bringing of, of a lot of cases because obviously the defense costs could be in the millions of dollars and it really would force one to think very hard and carefully before bringing a case. That sort of thing could make a big difference, but that's not the way our system works uh, in general. I mean, the way our legal system is structured, one can bring a case, and if one loses, one doesn't have to pay for the other side, except in you know, extraordinary circumstances. It would require a fundamental change. The contrary argument is, well, sometimes people lose in a litigation uh, for the wrong reasons. <laughs> there are a lot of ways to lose uh, that don't necessarily mean that you were wrong or you had a bad argument. There are unforeseen uh, interpretations of claims or prior art comes out to invalidate a patent that nobody anticipated. So that might be kind of unfair for plaintiffs uh, to make them uh, responsible. You can have these debates uh, at great length, and certainly Congress would, which, of course, decreases the chance of anything being passed. 
James, what would you say are some of the concerns or risks that organizations that depend on commercial security products should be considering? There's a certain amount of surprise. It's just inherent in the way the system works. And it's not possible to really quantify all of them. And, you know, it's always possible that there is a patent out there that will cover your core business activities that you didn't know about that gets asserted against your company. But one of the things that you can for sure look out for is open source software and indemnification provisions that may or may not be lacking in that software. So to the extent that you build your own system or uh, use a system that's free, open source, with no uh, indemnification behind it, you as, as that organization will ultimately be responsible for any patent infringement that arises as a result of using that. Um, However, if you use systems that are procured from an outside third party and that come with some indemnification provision, that may help reduce your risk. Uh, Because while you would still be possibly sued as named as a defendant in the patent litigation, at least you would have an agreement with the third party that would require that party to come in and defend the litigation and then pay the damages that might be found if there is infringement. And then, James, before we close, are there any final thoughts or recommendations that you can offer to organizations that are looking for ways to protect themselves or just to perhaps prepare for these types of patent disputes? Yeah, I think barring any legislative change in the near term, and and, based on uh, what we were talking about before, it's probably safe to assume there won't be any significant legislative change. Companies need to budget for patent defense, and that means probably putting aside a reasonable sum to cover... Uh, at least potential legal fees for defending cases and possibly even uh, paying out a a damages award in the interim. Beyond that, I think companies can think about maybe developing uh, their own intellectual property portfolio, which would have some inherent value in it of itself, uh, as well as being potentially a bargaining chip with at least some of the uh, potential plaintiffs that one might come across. James, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Again, we've just heard from James DeNaro of Washington, D.C.-based Cypher Law Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.